Good morning, Zion. It is my privilege to be able to share with you this morning. It's been a few years since my last message, besides one that happened about an hour ago. So bear with me if I'm a little rusty. We're now on the third week of our Advent series as we looked into what prefaced the incarnation of Jesus. The word Advent is derived from the Latin term Adventus, meaning coming. Before the birth of Christ, the church was long anticipating the coming of Jesus. We still to this day celebrate this season not only because of Jesus' coming, but celebrate the good news that he will come again. The four weeks of Advent symbolize faith, hope, joy, and love. Today we look into what Advent joy truly means to us. Throughout the history of the Bible, from the early Old Testament all the way until John's revelation, there was a constant belief of something better that is to come. There's a promise of a Savior that would one day walk among us and heal the world. And in the New Testament, after the resurrection of Jesus, the promise that he would one day return again. That is the promise which we build our faith upon and continue to every day. We are in a time that is different than anything we've experienced before. A year that began with wildfires sweeping across an entire continent, then the news of a virus that threatened humanity as a whole, financial hardships and poverty, the division of our country in a political election and outrage of social injustices. It seems that our world is crumbling apart and hard to see an end in sight. However, the promise that Jesus will return still remains. And I think our focus should remain on that as well. It seems time and time again throughout the Bible where the people of God are faced with extreme hardships. Famine, war, oppression of what they believe in, and persecution that resulted in death. But just as constant and consistent as the hardships the people of God faced, the promise of salvation was constant and consistent as well. Our scripture for today is Isaiah 35, verses 1 through 10. Isaiah is speaking to God's people facing persecution, in distress, and crying for help. The title of our passage is a wonderful reminder of what the season of Advent is truly about. In the New Living Translation, the passage is titled, Hope for Restoration. Isaiah 35. Even the wilderness and desert will be glad in those days. The wasteland will rejoice and blossom with spring crocuses. Yes, there will be an abundance of flowers and singing and joy. The deserts will become as green as the mountains of Lebanon, as lovely as Mount Carmel or the plain of Sharon. There the Lord will display his glory, the splendor of God. With this news, strengthen those who have tired hands and encourage those who have weak knees. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong and do not fear, for your God is coming to destroy your enemies. He is coming to save you. And when he comes, he will open the eyes of the blind and unplug the ears of the deaf. The lame will leap like deer and those who cannot speak will sing for joy. Springs will gush forth in the wilderness, and streams will water the wasteland. The parched ground will become a pool, and the springs of water will satisfy the thirsty land. 
Marsh grass and reeds will f- and rushes will flourish where desert jackals once lived. And a great road will go through that once deserted land. It will be named the highway of holiness. Evil-minded of people will never travel on it. It will be only for those who walk in God's ways. Fools will never live there. Lions will not lurk along its course, nor any other ferocious beast. There will be no danger. Only the redeemed will walk on it. Those who have been ransomed by the Lord will return. They will enter Jerusalem singing, crowned with everlasting joy. Sorrow and mourning will disappear. They will be filled with joy and gladness. This is the word of the Lord. This passage shines light on the reality that we do live in a broken world. It was broken when Isaiah wrote these words, and certainly we feel it may now be more broken than ever before. And yet this passage gives us hope that one day it will be made whole again through Jesus. This Christmas story of the Bible is truly a story of joy. The promise that had been given from generation to generation that God would one day become flesh and walk among us finally became true. In Luke chapter 1, it tells us that God sent the angel Gabriel to the town of Nazareth to the Virgin Mary. Verse 28 through 33, the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Now I'm confident if something of this magnitude were to happen today, it would go viral on Twitter and Facebook, and we would all know about it very quickly. However, the good news of Jesus' birth, the promise fulfilled, the news of joy and salvation, it still took some time for the world to find out. The miracle of the virgin birth was the good news that God's people were longing for. The Savior born in Bethlehem, walking among us. He will take away our suffering and fix a broken world. God started working through Christ immediately and still does to this day. It may be easy for some of us to feel joyful, especially in this time of year. However, there are times in our lives where we are faced with suffering, with sadness, with sorrow, and it seems our response is to turn to God and ask why. It's hard for us to understand how God can be working within suffering. In Romans 8, 18, it says, For I consider the sufferings of the present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Lean on God in these times, not to question him. And through our sufferings, our faith will grow. The story of Christmas, like I previously said, is the true joy of this season that we're called to look upon. The promise fulfilled that God would become flesh and come to save us. However, our church and the Christian church have merged the Christmas story with the pagan idea of Christmas. The trees and lights and gifts have consumed our mind and conscience and have muted the focus of what this time is really about. 
Now, don't get me wrong, I truly love this time of year. I had my tree and my lights up before Thanksgiving. I've been listening to Christmas music long before it was acceptable. But we create an unnecessary level of stress and hardship, both emotional and financial. As I get older, I can't even imagine how stressful this time of year must be for Santa Claus. And while ultimately we believe the decorations and gifts are good and bring us happiness, it seems like it's almost a manufactured happiness. In this year of 2020, this crazy year where true joy seems to be lacking more than ever before, it seems we try to rely on this manufactured happiness to silence or cover a lingering sadness and defeat. But as told in scripture, true joy comes not from anything of this world, but from salvation. Not only forgiveness of our sins, but being saved from sickness, from sadness, sorrow, disparity, as our scripture says, a hope for restoration. However, it's made clear in scripture that true joy is not a happy emotion that we may or may not feel, but a state of being that is rooted in God. Before Christ was born and the promise of the Savior was fulfilled, God's people were joyful in what God had already done and hopeful for what he will do. They were joyful in the promise of Christ, a promise that hadn't yet come true and still had faith in God, even in times of tribulation and hardship. Their eyes remained fixed on that promise. After the birth of Jesus and the promise was fulfilled, God's people rejoiced and gave thanks to the Lord. And still after the temporary worldly life of Jesus, his burial and resurrection, yet another promise was made, a promise we still have faith in to this day. The promise that Jesus will come and fix this broken upside down world. We now, like God's people before the birth of Jesus, need to fix our eyes on not only what God has done or what he will do, but what he does in our lives every day. We need to focus on differentiating between the manufactured happiness and focus on the gifts that God has given us. It's easy in this crazy, stressful season to forget the blessings that we have in our lives we lose sight of the promise that God will come again. God calls us to joy and calls us to live in joyfulness. As Colossians 9, 11, and 12 says, we also pray that you will be strengthened with all his glorious power so you will have all the endurance and patience you need. May you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. Last week, we heard Amy speak of a revolution. I believe that there's a desperate need in our world for God's children to live in joy, even, or might I say, especially in a time when there's little joy to be found. There will always be situations and circumstances in which being joyful may seem impossible. And yet we look at stories in the Bible where they do exactly that. When Jonah was in the belly of the whale, he was crying out for help and yet rejoiced in God's salvation. 
when Paul was in prison simply for being a Christ follower, he rejoiced knowing that God was at work. One of my favorite scriptures seems very relevant to us today. It's James chapter 1. It reads, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any way come your kind, come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he will give to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. When you do ask, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything they do. Believers who are poor have something to boast about, for God has honored them. And those who are rich should boast that God has humbled them. The hot sun rises and the grass withers. The little flower droops and falls and its beauty fades away. In the same way, the rich will fade with all of their achievements. God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God promised to those who love him. Today, let our joy not be fueled by manufactured happiness or materialistic objects, but be fueled by the Holy Spirit. This is the joy that spreads the love of God through the world. Mother Teresa once said, joy is a net of love by which you can catch souls. A joyful heart is the inevitable result of a heart burning for love. I challenge all of you in these pews or in your homes to live with the joy of the Lord in your heart. As we enter this time of year that for some might be merry and bright, or to some might be stressful, or some a time of sorrow and despair, I challenge you to focus on the promises that God made, the ones he has fulfilled and the ones yet to come. Rejoice in not only what God has done and will do, but rejoice in how God is working in our lives every day. Let the joy we receive from God allow us to be a light for him. In a broken world, a hurting world, a world where temptation is around every corner, a world that's desperately longing for love, for care, for joy, we are called to be a light for God. We are called to live in this way until he comes again. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you not only for what you have done, what you will do, but for how you work in our lives every day. We ask that you would fix our eyes and hearts on what this holiday season and Advent is really about. We thank you for being a gracious, forgiving, loving God. We ask that you will fill us with the Holy Spirit, allowing us to be a light for you. Let us live in joy and give thanks for our blessings. In your holy name, amen.